0: Hi, it's Thursday morning. We have somebody uh, for the chumash, so we'll see how that goes, and maybe somebody will appear for the Uftor. Um But I want to thank uh, a good friend, the Sassoons, Eud Sassoon and his wife, who I had the pleasure of spending Shabbos with at uh, the Adler's. They're sponsoring today's uh, talk on the, on the, um, Parshas Devarim, I guess, and uh, we had all that, we all had a very nice time, <clears throat> I must say. Now, uh, a very uh, Torah dick. Now. Um, we're taking a look at Devarim. Of course, once you take a book, uh, Devarim, Deuteronomy, the very name itself, Mishnah Torah, Deuteronomy means Mishnah Torah. So, uh, you know, the basic question is, we always come to every year is what exactly, what the heck is going on exactly with Devarim. The point I want to make today is, and I've done it in different contexts, is that the Chumash that we have, the Bible that we have is an edited document. I said this yesterday in a different place. You understand? The only thing is, God is the editor, but I'm saying, in other words, it's, it, it went through different uh, points, <clears throat> and I'll tell you where I'm coming from. Um, in general, whether we understand the book of Dvarim, the most straightforward, for, there's no one answer to that, you know, it doesn't say anywhere, this is, you know, the shot why we have a book from Moshe Rabbeinu in there, Elah, Dvar, Moshe, Dibbe, Moshe. The easiest way to understand it, within a firm context, is a Barbanel, you know, the Barbanel, um says that his first book that he worked on, you know, in between jobs, I plan to do a talk on the Abrabanel this Monday night. I'm doing this series here in Baltimore on the court Jews in Spain. He's the last of them. Uh, and as you know, and in between one situation and another in life, he had a very colorful and difficult life. So he worked on his Bible commentary. I mean, that's who he was. And uh, the first one he started was in the Book of Devarim. If I remember correctly, because at a young age somebody asked him, or he asked somebody, whatever, like what exactly b'shah dvarm. I mean, the chumash is supposed to be God's words, but here you tell me, say la dvarim, I said Moshe. This is the words of Moses. At least all dvarm or most of it, whatever. And like I said before, the easiest from way of doing is to say it like this. These are the words of Moshe Rabbeinu. Whatever he said subsequently, the Remember, this is in the 40th year, not long before he dies. So subsequently, <clears throat> the Roman Shalom tells Moshe, okay, um, I like what you said, sort of, and I'm going to dictate to you exactly how you should you know, record it for a posterity. Maybe it'll be 100% identical with what you said, maybe not, you know, maybe you said a couple of phrases that we're going to leave out, maybe there's a couple of phrases um, that you did not say, but I, God, am saying, put it in there, okay, I am saying, put it in there. And Moshe, being a faithful servant, copied it all out the way God told it to him, and that's what we end up with today. So in other words, in that case, there's no big religious problem or anything like this, because at the end of the day, you know, it's all Torah's motion in the sense that Hashem told him what to say, and, and so on and so forth. Even though the origins of the Debor are Moshe himself. But once God has given the editing uh, right over it, so, uh, you know it doesn't matter, you know, who the originator of the words are. Um, If you've ever been an editor, and I've done my share of that with the art scroll, so, uh, you know, sometimes you can rewrite, you know, you're the boss. Get it? The editor is the boss. What goes in, what goes out, you change here, you change there. Fundamentally, though, it's most Arbanian's feelings. And the truth of the matter is, if you approach it from that point of view, which is not the only way to look at it, but it's a point of view, comes out to be a very interesting human document. Like I said the other day, if you look at the story of the Miraglam, you know, they say, uh uh what do you call it? We, 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 they're too strong for us, you know, back in the Shlach, uh, okay? You know, when the spies give a, a evil report, they say, oh, it's too strong for us. Moshe Rabbeinu says that what you, this week's parsha. God hates us. That's why He took us out of Egypt to kill us here, in the hands of the Mori. I mean, it's not identical as what they said in the other place. So how do you work that out if you're not a Bible critic? How do you work it out? So one way, not the only way. You know, there are many ways of working it out. And I'm, you know, I'm serious. Whenever we get to these dialectical challenges, there are multiple ways of dealing with this, um, and that's why different fortune down the ages do so. I always find it interesting. See, the approach you find in different, in different centuries and times and places. And, you know, one of the ways of saying is, that's how Moshe Rabbeinu heard it. You understand? Notice the people just. I'm just suggesting this job. The people said, oh, they're too strong for us. Uh, we knit the and And Moshe Rabbeinu said, to him, what he was saying is, if you, at this point, after leaving Egypt with the 10 plagues and the crossing of the Red Sea and then the Maimon Sinai and all the rest of it, if you still say that we can't take these people, then why did God do all these things for us? The only logical explanation is to say that God is sadistic and evil. God has a sick sense of humor and that he he took us out for some kind of exquisite revenge because he gets his kicks out of seeing us being killed by the Amori, which of course is ridiculous. So in other words, that's the way Moshe interpreted what they said. So, in other words, they said what they said, and that's what you find in in Bamidbar, and Moshe tells the way he heard it, or touched it up. That might be a better way of saying it. The way Moshe touched it up. Now, that's not the only way of explaining it, but that to me is the most logical. Me, myself, and I. You know, now. But in other words, you have a whole bunch of these cases throughout Devarim, in which he's retelling stories, which are not exactly identical to what you find in Bamidbar and, and Shmos and all that. And you know, you always run across the question. So, you know, how do you work this out? And my, at this stage in my life, I would say, you know, this is Moshe, I mean, the way he, he heard it, the way he interpreted it. And Hashem said, oh, good vart. You know, I hear that. Or I want your opinions to be recorded for posterity or something like that. If you're interested in these kinds of questions, of which there's a fair number, then get the uh, Menashe Ben-Israel book, you know, the conciliator. And he'll give you the old-fashioned you know, Rashi says this, this one says this, or Mayor Ben ben Gabbai says that, the uh, Chazal say this, the Bar-Banel says this, you know. Maybe he's an encyclopedia of these kinds of reconciliations, uh, which are fine, they're classic stuff. As I said before, me, living now, you know, it it it, 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 it kind of addresses my kishkas to say, this Moshe his <coughs> personal take. But above and beyond all that, okay, said so a Barbarinel, who, as they said before, had a very interesting uh, history with De Warren because he wrote it all up, and then he lost it. It was, you know, when he went from one place to another and all of his the vicissitudes of his life, he was chased by the Portuguese and by the Spanish and by this group and that group. And um, I forget exactly the story, but he, he wrote it all up and then lost it. Imagine how he feels. I had something like that, not exactly, but something like that happened to me, and it's, like, devastating. You put all your time and effort into it, and then it's lost. And then years later, after he was kicked out of Spain, and he went to Naples, and after he was kicked out of Naples because of the French invasion there in the late 1490s, the famous uh, French invasion of Charles VII, so uh, he had to run away to Corfu, which is an island. And when he was there, he went to the flea market, and there was his manuscript, which he saw as a sign from heaven that he should finish it and publish it and so on and so forth. So the, you know, the barbara has a, a stark connection with Dvarim. Let's put that with emotional you know connection with uh Dvarim. uh and you want to know something uh i'll tell you something interesting this is just uh, my own uh, uh history opinion you know if you look again now remember the story i just told you about devarum and the Barbanel. now look at the famous incident in lochem Bays and Divrayumim where they find the Torah in the time of Yahoo, remember? And they open up and say, what is this? And they take it to Cholde and all that story. So they found safer Torahs Moshe. So what does that mean? So, as you know, there are different opinions of Chazal and Mepharshim. Maybe they found the safer Torah and they didn't know what it was. That's how far gone they were from Yiddishkeit. That's one interpretation. Because, uh, you know, the wicked kings before him, like Menashe and Omon, had burned all the safer Torahs, etc., etc., you know, here's one that they skipped, that they missed. Okay, I mean, you know, that certainly is a Mahal. The Barbanel follows the opinion that they found the original Torah that Moses wrote. You know, the 13th copy, as we shall see. Right? Uh, you know, because Moshe wrote one for all the tribes, and then he kept the one in, in the box, in the Aron, And they found that one. So in other words, they found the original Torah of Moshe, and that's what freaked them out. Why? And he says, If we today found the original Torah written by Moses, we'd be freaked out because of the kedusha involved. True. You know, true. If, 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 if you found Mama, you know, the Torah written by Moshe, my goodness, right? So, um, it's a, you know, it's a famous difference of opinion. Now, my point is only like this. <laughs> you know, how come that Abarbanel favors that shot? Uh, there are good reasons to do that, but leave me really, you know, you know, in other words, I know what it's like to lose something, and then find the original after many years later, and it was a moment of pachat and ra'odah, he says. That's just my opinion. Uh, you know, that, that, that's why I think it's rather coincidental or something like that. But uh, it is interesting. Be that as it may... That says, as I told you before, that, you know, these are the words of motion, and God redictated, it, and that makes it part of the Chumash. I think the Gross says the same thing, whatever. Uh, Shine. Now, here's the point I want to make. The Bible we have is an edited version. What do I mean by that? Uh, I mean, literally, the Chumash that we have today. Um, even if you say God dictated it all, it's still an edited version, meaning it's, it's a first draft, a second draft, and so on and so forth. Which is just fascinating, at least to me. Um, I'll show you what I mean. We have the um, in the form we have it now. Obviously, Devarim wasn't there until the very end. Meaning, once Moshe finished his speech, then Hashem said, "All right, put, we're going to include this in." Right. So, um, and I'm following the standard interpretation, you know, that everything was written down in the form that we have it. In the form we have it, you know, now. How does the Rambam put it? At the very, very beginning of the Hagdama to the Mishnah Torah, you know this, and uh, so on and so forth. Right, the Rambam says, Moshe wrote the whole Torah down, meaning the one that you and I have in possession today. The whole Torah down before he died? And he made copies. Which, by the way, is quite remarkable if you think about it. Because Moshe, he's old. Even though he still had his strength, and um, I mean, I know we're dealing with a guy who can do miracles. I mean, I get that, but just consider what I'm out, those of you out there, whoever, any is to be a sofer, of safer term, azuz, is trellin, whatever. He wrote. He had. To, he had to write out thirteen distinct Torah scrolls. You know, It's not a small thing to do. How long would it take you? The cipher out there, or the guy you know, or your brother whoever, to write 13 safer Torahs and not a Push Pasha. Okay, but okay, you're dealing with Moshe being I mean, fine. I mean, if you could circumcise a million people in a day, you can write 13 Torahs in a day. But I'm just, you know, hollow Dover Hope now. Um, so I call Torah uh, cool and he gave a copy to everybody and uh to every tribe. And he put um, an extra copy, a thirteenth copy, or maybe a fourteenth, whatever it is, depending how you count the tribes, of in the box of the Aaron as an aid, as a testimony, which really, really, really means, since we're dealing with Jews, as a master copy that nobody should cheat, right? Otherwise, the other tribes will lie. You know, if I'm a levy, I'll say, this: hey, my copy says, not that the levy don't get any land, the levy's get all the land, the other tribes get no land, you know, why not? You think I'm saying this as a cynical fart? Look in the in the Menashe Rabba, in Baalach, uh, in, in Parsha Tes. Am Rabbi Yonai, Kasev Shlosh Esrei Toras, Shteim Esrei L'shnei Asar Shvatim, Ve'achad Hiniach Ba'Orim, She'im Yevakeish Le'Zayif Davar, She'u Motzi If anybody's going to do ziyof, forge, right, forgery. As I said before, because what's to stop one shaven from saying this? One child one, one Shavid to say that. So you had to have a master copy. Which is a sad commentary of events, but alright, then you know it's it's very human, it's very very realistic. So this was written before he died. Meaning, uh you know, after the speech that we're reading in, in, in Dvarim, which is which, which is being written, you know, and so on and so forth. So, uh okay. And later on, Hashem says, you know, over in Parsha Vayilach. So that's that. But this, did he write the whole thing from A to Z, from Bereshus to the end? So the answer is yes. But you already had parts of that. Or at least according to rabbinic tradition, we had parts of that. Because if you go back, if you remember, at the time of Myron Harsini in Mishpatim, Parsha Mishpatim, in Haftal, if you look over there. So, you know, it says Moshe Omar, Alei, Hashem, Ataviyan, Nodavav, and so on and so forth. And uh and the people say Hashem, Hashem. Hashem. So Moshe wrote down a text. Divri There's different opinions in Mechilta what it means, but Rashi, you know, giving the easiest way, uh the simplest way all this, may gracious Okay? So, let's, for simplification purposes, say, he wrote a book and a half. The book of bracious and then the half of Shmos. Okay? And then the other stuff later, whenever it's not clear, you know, different opinions. That's the trouble, you run into different opinions. Now, um okay, but it's not so Pashit. Because Look at the Ramban's famous intro to Dwarm. and he wrestles with some of these problems, and he tries to give tries to give some kind of answer to the problems you face. The Ramban is very famous. I'm sure most of you have seen this one time or another. It's his short intro into Dwarm. and what the, what the heck is this? Okay, uh, I mean, what is the character of the book of Dwarm? There's a lot of Musa, haranguing, and so forth, with the best intentions in the world. Uh, but that's mostly what it is, but not entirely. Yeah. But, not entirely. but there's no Kacham and Tyrus, interestingly in Devarame says, okay, um, because they were already explained, and reason the Kohanim being's reason, you don't have to tell them twice. I don't know how that works exactly. The reason I say that is we have plenty of corrupt Kohanim subsequently, as you find in the Bible and elsewhere. But right, let's go with this. but the Behem. That Moshe had to repeat sometimes. That's why you'll find the Mitzvah that, let's say, for example, is in Shemoz, or Ba'ikor, or someplace like that, or Dvarim, I mean, in Bamidbar, and it could be repeated a second time in Dwarm. Okay. So, in other words, it's like you know, like a, a a parent or a mashkia says, I'm going to say it over again. I want to warn you twice. Right? Upam uh, shalom yaksir It's to You know, give him a lot of of warnings and things like that. Especially as the Ramban says when I vote a Because over and over again, you hear Moshe, you know, repeating himself, repeating himself. Rhetorically, the Book of Dorm is a funny speech. Because over and over again, he says, don't do idol worship. Don't do idol worship. Don't me- you mess with idol worship you know, in, in in this way, in that way, and the other way, in the other way. So, Vos epis. The only thing is that, you know, he was really afraid that they would do idol worship, and you and I know that that is what happened. And so, in the best style of a worried parent, he said, I'm warning you again, don't make bad investments. I'm warning you again, don't make bad investments. I'm warning you again, don't mess with the trust fund, you know, even though he knows once he's gone, the kid's going to do exactly that. And Moshe Rabbeinu says at the end of the Book of worms, you know, Kiyadati, yeah, I mean, he says those words in the Chumash, okay? So the whole book of, of dwarm according to this way of looking at it, is a worrying person. And I mean worrying in the best sense of a parent worried about a child. I mean, that's the, the right kind of daiga. Um, that's a, a worthy worry, right? That's a worthy type of worry. Now, um, problem is, and the Ramban knows this very well. What do you do with the things that don't fit that nice neat pattern? The Hainu. There are plenty of misses that are only in the varm, And some biggies, like Gittin. Right? I mean, if it's really like a repetition and and you're, and you're only repeating to the people, not to the Kohanim, as he said before, and the people need to hear. So, so why do you have some major uh, uh, mitzvahs, halachas, that are only in Devarim. That's four biggies. Gittin, Yibum, Motzi Shemra, it's interesting, and Mainim So, they're not in the earlier books. So why is that? Okay? What I mean to say is like this. It's not so simple to do like the Ramban. And, I mean, like the uh will say, well, it's a speech of Moses, and God just re-edited it. So, are you telling me that Moses was Mechadish Gittin? You understand you know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, is that Moshe talking? And the only thing is, it comes, you know, it comes in the Torah because God sort of confirms it, puts this Gushbank on it by saying, write that down, and we're going to include this in the Chumash. Right? I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was the guy who came up with Yibam, with Adam uh, with Zomen, and it don't make no sense. Okay? So, and the Ramban knows this very well. And so he suggests, but this is where you get Dochik. Okay? So when you find something like Gittin, this is just interesting. That's why I'm doing it today. Gittin or Yibam or whatever. And Moshe saying it, and you only hear it here for the first time in Devarim, in Kisei, in Kisav, or wherever. It's not historically the way it happened. It's not that you know now Moshe in his speech is telling you something that no one heard before. But rather, just like the rest of the book, the Ramban says, Moshe is repeating what is already given. But the problem is, it's not there. It wasn't given. Or at least you won't find it in, in Shemos, Vayikra, and Bamidbar. Agreed? But the Ramban, out of dogmatic reasons, out of hashkafa reasons, you know, I mean, I'm, and there's no question about this, says, no, no, no. So, you know, Yibam and getting and things like this are already in the time of Shmos, You understand? Uh, and and, and Vayikra. Before the Miraglam, the Meraglim, in other words, is a, is a year, year and a half after Yitzis Mithram. We already discussed this the other day. You know, they leave on pace of time, and you know and I know the Meraglim, by tradition, is Tisha B'Av, correct? So, and it's a, it's a year later. It's not the first Tisha B'Av after they left uh, Egypt, but it's the second, uh, because the first Tisha B'Av, they had the problem with the golden calf. But, uh, you know, it's the second Tisha B'Av, but even so, it's a year and a half. So, let's call that... Uh, 18 months for, for the heck of it. So during those 18 months, all the halachas, I repeat, all the halachas were um, pronounced, were communicated by God. So Gittin and Yibam, for example, Zomen, were already said much earlier. The only thing is they just weren't put into um, into the books of <speaking in> Bris. <Hebrew> the only thing that was Mishad is, you know, when you get to Atemnitzavim and then that bris and all that sort of thing. Al lo Never Vaser is that Baidaber Shemal Mushli more or Tsavazbneathra, Daber Maithra and all that kind of stuff. Meaning that, you know, again, when you come to uh Gitun, Kikahish Isha Motzah Mozzakem Bainel, Khasal Saver Crisis. Why does it say Baidabh Shemal Mushli more Ki Ki Kikahish uh Isha Bolavam uh you know, himlo Motza Khbain Kassel Safer Crisis. Doesn't say that. And the reason is because in Dvarim, he's just telling you what was said earlier. So you can't say by Dabra Shem Lemur. Although, you know, if you want to play tit for tat, you could say, but Hashem told me, you know, Hashem Mamari Lai, Kikachish Isha Bola Motelchim Diver, or Yeshua Anashim Yakto, you know, Losia, Asia, Samesa, Chutz Lijar, all those parshes. So then why weren't they put into uh, Shmos and Va'ikra and all the rest, right? She Yotzim Mitzrayim, right? Now, this form was shown him. We're speaking to the Yotzim Mitzrayim. Very interesting. So, that was in the first draft, if I can call it that. So, it was, uh, had a certain character to it because it was Madabrim Yotzim What right? What, 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 when he says a safer divar Bris and all that, I mean, that's at the time of my seen that's right after they left Egypt a few weeks after they left Egypt when you have Dvarim, it's 40 years later the whole generation had died out so nevertheless you're telling me that all these laws were pronounced earlier, so why aren't they in Shmos? why aren't they in Vayigro? so he just can only suggest lo and maybe these dinim only, you know haguf, kasher bin they're not so common Arts. It's not a strong to me. I, you know, I mean, the Ramban's bigger than I am, obviously, but you know, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't ring well. You understand? It doesn't ring well. D- to me, rather, um, it sounds like for God for His own reasons, and He knows what He's doing, obviously. So like this: We've taken you for forty years. The first generation is gone. may maybe the original plan. Was that the Yodzim Mitzrayim should be the, 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 the boy hearts? That there wouldn't be a screw up with the Maragla. And that generation in the first year, especially if they hadn't screwed up with Egol's Oath, that generation in the first year would go to Israel. Right? But just like every story in the Bible, every significant story in the Bible, there's a plan and the plan is frustrated by human fallibility and human uh, mishagaz. Starting with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that's the whole point of the story. They should have been in the Garden of Eden, la avde and to live up, live forever happily ever after. But we know the whole point of the story is it didn't happen that way. Avram said, Yaakov should have been this and this way, but then came the Yosef business, and the Bnei Israel left Egypt, and they should be in Eretz Yisrael in five minutes and they should be ever, but they they mess up with the Maraglam. Why is the chumash like that's that's the human being, that is the human condition. There's a perfect plan, and then people don't live up to the plan. They mess up the plan. Uh, like 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 Shlomo says, you know, it, it's it's how people go. Now it's not a uh, glorious story because it's not a fairy tale. When you do a fairy tale, then you do a glorious story. It's a real story. The Torah speaks to us today. If it does, if it speaks to us today precisely because it's not simply an idealistic tale it is an idealistic tale for sure but one which is constantly frustrated by human fallibility and human perverseness bravo said that's what we're holding today I mean this is the nine days right the nine days is the uh time institution of what I just said before the the the, the fallibility otherwise how come there's no piece of now? now? right how come there's no piece of now? And as I pointed out many times, Lou Yassir, the base of English, came back tomorrow. We'd have plenty of fights because I can't say the Jewish people are already holding the point where everybody's getting along with each other and they would cooperate and building a base of English. It would be a messy scene. This is very sad what I said, but it's real. Okay? It's real. If you say everything will be perfect and, you know, be like Babes and toilet or something like that, it's not real. I mean, that, that's not a people. It's an ideal. Right? But what do we call literature that's ideal is not real? We call fantasy, you see, is a novel. Plenty of people read fantasy and read novels. As a matter of fact, I'm sure more people in the world read novels and fantasy, things like that, than read factual things. Um, that's, there's a human proclivity for that, which is interesting. That's why people go to movies and TV and things like this. In fact, it's a trillion-dollar industry today. I, that's not an exaggeration. In entertainment, they give you uh, uh, a, a false picture, whatever kind of false picture you're looking for. You could be a sick dog, though. The Internet will provide you an ideal world for sick dogs. You know what I mean? Or you can be a high-minded person. They'll give you a picture of an enemy person. But for real life, you know, for is for real life, so where are you going to find that? Where are you going to find that? One place, not the only place, one place is the Torah. <laughs> you see? But, they're gonna, but, but then you have to deal with the problems of the real life. And so, to me, it's easier to say as follows. And I've had proofs of this in other places as well. I mentioned here in the podcast from time to time. Uh, there was perhaps some original version of the Torah, not the complete version, but some kind of version of the Torah, because it says that Moshe wrote down the Divir Bris. And let's go with Rashi, who's getting from Michalto, even though it's a three-way argument in Michilta, but let's go with Rashi. And he says it was the book of Ebrechus and plus part of Shemos. Okay, fine. So notice in the 40 years in the desert, at least they had, written by Moshe Rabbeinu at God's command, okay, and which, by the way, he read to everybody. Oh, back in in Mishpatim, it says, mm-hmm. That is where he said Nasa That is the Pasuk over there. In Per Kavdal Pasuk Zion, right? 24-7. Uh, it's an easy way to remember it. Where did it say Naseh and Ishmael, 24-7. <laughs> um, they, okay, so they had that. And there's different opinions, McGill and McGill Littner, or whatever. As they go through the rest of the story, I mean, maybe they have te- other texts, at least this text they have. So you're wandering around for 40 years, so the people that learn about and Chava and the, and, and the Maisha and the Flood and the Avos okay, including the problem with Yosef and all the rest of it. And then they learn about the slavery in Egypt and the liberation from Egypt up till uh, you know, safe Repres, up to uh, Maimon Har Sinai. And let's say that's all they had. And then later on, from time to time, in Vayikra, in the in the Omoe, which was at the foot of Mount Sinai, Hashem said, here's the laws of Tuma and Tyra, here's the laws of Kohanim, here's the laws of Kachim, different carbonas, and so on and so forth. Well, you and I generally call the book of Vayikra. Was it written down then and there in a text and added to the existing text? Not necessarily. You know, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. And then, you know, meanwhile, the generation dies out over 40 years, which is a long time. And now you're in the 40th year and Moshe's dying. No, he's going to die soon. Uh, Hashem says, you know, I want you to write the book, the five books now, in a certain way and I am my reasons for putting whatever I put in you know in a in an editorial way for example for example uh, we talked about some sukkas. what does it mean by sukkas or shavtahs b'nei Yisrael Meir according to the Rokeach who's the Orthodox rabbi <laughs> according to the Rokeach it's, it's talking about the the Sich V'og that the Sukkot, you look it up yourself, you'll see, or listen to the old podcast, he said that means the pup tents, so to speak, the, the uh, you know, lean-tos, whatever, that the soldiers slept in while they were conducting the war of Sichen and Og, which, as you know, just happened in the 40th year, subsequent to Balak. So, I mean, literally in the last months of the life of Moshe Rabbeinu, but wait a minute! It's in Vayikra. But of Shakti Bnei Israel, but see, Mitzrayim is over there in Amor. and Amor, is if it's in Vayikra, then it should be part of the Book of Vayikra, which you would think was was pronounced at um, at Har at the foot of Mount Sinai in in the Omo, and in in, in in the Mishkan. But nevertheless, I'm again. If you go like the Rokeach, it can't be. Because at the time of Ayikra, Sichon and Og hadn't happened yet. So the only thing you have to say is, seems to me, that now, at the end of the life of Moshe, when Hashem is going to dictate to him the 12 copies, the 13 copies, from Bratish to the end, so, Hashem is going to say like this, now that you see that we have Milcham and Sichon and Og, and you had... That the soldiers were in Sukkos. I want you, Moshe, to include that in this new book of Acre, which maybe the book of Acre was already around, according to, you know, McGill McGill and you know, things like that. Some would say, but is was already around, but it doesn't matter. Because now in the final draft, Hashem says, now I want this put in by Sukkos. You see? So, keep a Sukkos taste what I mean? And Moshe being Moshe, he said, okay, whatever you say. I told you a couple weeks ago that the Bechor Shor says that when Moshe strikes the rock, it's actually the same story you have at the end of, uh, in Beshalach, right after they uh, cross the Red Sea. But Hashem says, I want you to put it here, I want you to put it here for certain reasons you know, to, even though it happens later, but I want, I want it by, as an introduction by the way of um, introducing to the problem of, of water in the desert and the people of Borching and things like this. Now, if You find this place and that place and that place in which Hashem says, this story I want you to put in this book. Mom is like an editor, even though it wasn't there before, but you and I have this all the time. If I'm writing something, let's say, uh, an article or a speech. And I'm writing, writing, writing. And then after I finish a draft, ooh, ooh, I forgot this Givaldic Aura or this very good story. And it would go perfectly in the second paragraph or the end of the first paragraph. And now that you have a computer, you just do it easy, you know. you just You just stick it in. So when you read it, it sounds like that's what I wrote from the beginning. But I know, because I was a writer, actually I, I added it later as sort of, for whatever reason, because, but uh, but but if you, but chronologically, it wasn't there when I wrote the first draft. For whatever reason. Now, a person is a person, and God is God, but, and uh, obviously that's true, but whatever the reason was, Hashem said, you know, divorces, I believe, were probably around from day one. And, uh, and 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 they and they were pronounced, you know, forty years earlier. Can it be for three million people nobody want to get divorced? It doesn't make any sense, uh, right? I mean, for three million people nobody want to get divorced. But you'll say, but there was no such thing as getting until Kisayi. No, there was. Now I'm going like the Ramah now. There was. The only thing is. For whatever reason, Hashem knows, instead of putting it in, um, in Shmos, let's say, for example, or Reikra, which it when it was originally pronounced, Hashem tells Moshe, I now want you to put it into, in, into a Dvarim. Matter of fact, I wanted I want put in your voice, because it's not going to say, I want to put in your voice. It sounds like a Moshe Rabbeinu type part. That already, is very suggestive, you know, as Ramban says. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, you can come up with a third shot. I mean, that's that's a dvar for you guys to work out yourselves on the Shabbos, and I don't mean that to be funny. It's actually very, very suggestive. But the final version will have Yibum and uh, getting them things like this coming out of the voice of Moses, right? You know, know, And so forth. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu dealt with such cases and therefore is speaking in that voice like of the person who's already had experience with it. Um, this is what you come up with when you try to make sense out of Devarim and compare it to the other books and you try to come up with a pattern that solves all the aspects of it uh, which is almost impossible. I'll say it again drumpon in my opinion comes up with like like a dochik. he even says ula ilonagobosa misses rock i'll be shenkovitz a goof i'm either kovitz a goof you know so whatever um but it, it it shows the problematic in trying to work out the Dvarim. but to me um you know the the, the basic idea goes that the shalom has like a first draft and a second draft the first draft I would imagine this, just me talking. First draft probably was Yotzi Mitzrayim. You no, know, the first draft was, was, um, uh, can I use the word, a perfect world? You know, if the Jews hadn't made a golden calf. Because at the time that you have the uh, in, in Mishpatim, they hadn't yet made a golden calf. Um, and they certainly hadn't done the Miraglam yet. And so the first version and the places that the Sukhum would appear and all that would reflect that. But by the time you get to Devarim, uh, they did make a golden calf. They did do the Meraglim. They did do the other problems, and the old generation died out, and so you're dealing with with a different generation, and therefore the, the 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 placing of the mitzvos, and the order of the texts, has to be redone, again, not by uh, Moshe, but by the Bon Shalom, and so it doesn't matter to us because we end up with whatever God wants us to have, but it is interesting when you try to uh, you know, to work these out.
1: There are other approaches.
0: Hoffman has a very long thing, but I don't want to go into that. Anyway, I've gone way over time, but I think the Book of Dvarm kind of merits that if you uh, if you approach it, you know, seriously. Anyway, these are just a few thoughts that I want to throw out there. Again, I want to thank Ayud's son and his wife for sponsoring this, and we'll see if anybody steps forward for the Haftorah. With that, I wish you a good week.